But uh, it is Super Bowl Sunday, so uh, who are you picking to win the Super Bowl tonight? The Bears. The Bears. Sorry for those Bear fans out there. Maybe next year, as the Cub fans always say. Huh? <laughs> I, heard Mike, I heard Mike laugh a little bit at that. I think I, uh, I was talking to Corey before the service. I think I'm going to go with the Chiefs just because they're a Midwest team. You know, I don't really have a reason to root for either one of them, but I think I'll go with the Midwest over the East Coast. Um, let's turn our Bibles this morning to the middle of our Bibles. If you have a printed one. Uh, Lamentations is actually really close to the middle. If you lay your Bible out on the table, uh, it's almost even amount on both sides. Um, and before we read that, I did have a funny uh, cartoon that was going to be on the screen this morning. And since it can't be up there, I'm just going to tell you about it. So it, it was this cartoon of uh, a man and a wife in church, in a church pew. And uh, the man kind of looks down. They're passing the offering plates. And the man kind of looks down, and this kid right behind him in the pew behind him peeps up, and in a loud voice during church, he said, Sir, your quarter dropped underneath the pew. <laughs> and uh, when I saw that, I thought, I bet you that guy wanted to crawl under the pew with his quarter <laughs> after the little boy said that. Anyway. Back to the book of Lamentations. This book uh, most likely was written by the prophet Jeremiah. It follows the book of Jeremiah. And uh, much of it contains really kind of a lament. You might call it a complaint. Uh, there's some words of repentance in this book. And they're actually very similar to the book of Job and the book of Psalms. Uh, or the Psalms. Uh, in the way that they are written and kind of what they are saying. And actually, we're going to refer back to both of those uh, during the message today. But these particular verses that we are reading are a part uh, in chapter 3, are a part of Jeremiah's reminder to himself and to all of us that God is faithful and God is trustworthy even in the midst of grief, of suffering, of tragedy, and of disappointment. So let's read beginning with verse 19. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope <clears throat> is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. You know, there's a reason that this book is uh, this book of the Bible is named Lamentations. Because Jeremiah was really uh, lamenting the fall of Jerusalem that happened around the time of 586 B.C. <clears throat> and his grief runs deep throughout these chapters here. 
he writes in kind of a, a poetry sense, but you, you, you sense the lament. Um, and because of that, people have, through the years, people have referred to Jeremiah as the weeping prophet. You might have heard that before. Um, but if you read most of this book, you'll realize that he is consumed by his, his grief, his torment, and his sorrow over the people of Judah turning from God, and thus, in their turning from God, inviting God's judgment on the city of Jerusalem. And I think it's easy for us, really, to relate to what Jeremiah is, is feeling here. I mean, we live in a world that is full of things that make us worry, fear, and grieve for the things that are going on in our lives and also the things that are going on around us. On the screen at this point, I had a question that says, what consumes me? I want you to think about that this morning. The things I had listed on the screen were thoughts. Do they consume you? Your fears, politics, failures, addictions, the culture wars, negativity, family issues, work, school, anger. Those were just some of the things that I had listed. But we, we live in a world that's full of those things that, that tend to consume us in our thoughts and minds. Just recently, the editor-in-chief of Time Magazine uh, wrote this. He said, among so many global crises in the world... It can be hard to summon much optimism. Jeremiah really is kind of lamenting something similar in chapter 1, verse 20, when he says, See, Lord, how distressed I am. He said, I am in torment within, and in my heart I am disturbed. You know, it's much... It's much easier for us to allow the ungodly and the unholy things of this world to consume us and to sometimes cause us much grief and much sorrow. Just last weekend uh, at the Grammy Awards, there was a performance that was basically a form of Satan worship, which was seen in millions of homes around our country. I didn't watch it, but I saw some clips of it as the past week has gone on. And I've read many comments and articles about it, which many of you probably have as well. But when we see those things, it causes us to, to weep like Jeremiah for the soul of those people. And ultimately, the soul of a nation that glorifies the things of the devil. The sadness of such events in our culture can sometimes consume our thoughts and our fears. And I would say there are many of those these days. I see some of the stories in the news, and I'm sure you do too, and I just have to think, have people lost their minds? You know? Are they going crazy? I mean, what is, what is happening? Again, Jeremiah... He probably had those thoughts as well. 
Sometimes, though, it's the other things in life that consume us. Busyness, addictions, politics, anger, family and work issues, some of those things that I mentioned earlier. Maybe sometimes it's the direction of our nation. It's much too easy to allow the powers of evil and darkness to cause us affliction and questioning and, and even the bitterness that Jeremiah refers to here in verse 19. In verse 20, he really goes as far as to say, my soul is downcast within me. You can almost sense him taking a big, big sigh as he says this. My soul is downcast within me. Anyone ever feel like that? I mean, I think we all have, you know, moments in life that uh, we maybe get stuck in a moment that we feel like we can't get out of or it's hard to get out of that moment. Um, how do you get out of that? You know, how do you move forward? How do you not fix your eyes on the temporary trappings of this world that keep you from seeing the hope and the redemption of God? I'm getting a lot of static, aren't I? Move that around a little bit and see if that helps. I mean, maybe the way to ask this with these verses this morning is to say, how can we move from verses 19 and 20 to what Jeremiah says in verse 21? Here's where I miss not having the screen because you guys can follow along with this so much better. But he says, I feel afflicted, bitter, and downcast, perhaps even consumed. But, he says, this I remember. This I call to mind is what he says. And therefore, I have hope. What does he remember? What does he lean on? What does he trust in? Well, verse 22 says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Because his compassion for us will never fail us. It basically says when you feel overwhelmed by the negativity, suffering, loneliness, and evil of this world, don't let it keep you down. Don't be consumed by it. Because the Lord your God is still in control and His love and His compassion for you will not fail you. Sometimes we just, you know, we need to let those things go and... And give them to Jesus. Tony Campalo tells a story about a friend of his who uh, had to take a bus trip across the country of India some years ago. And he was in an old model bus, which was, you know, packed with people and packages, furniture, even some animals. <laughs> he said were on there. And sitting across from Tony's friend in that uh, bus was a tired man who had a neatly wrapped package that he had put up in the luggage rack right above his head. And, you know, this man, during the ride, during the long ride, he kept dozing off, and every so, up, every so often he would kind of jerk and wake up, and he would look up to see if his package was still there. 
And that, would go, that went on for hours. He did that time and, and time again. And uh, he was fearing that it was going to be stolen. And so, you know, he'd look up to make sure it was still there. Eventually, he fell asleep, and when he woke up again, he looked up, and the package was gone. For a minute or two, he panicked as he realized that somebody had, had stolen his package and taken it. But then he felt a sense of relief, knowing that the thing that had caused him constant worry and had consumed all of his attention was now gone. He didn't have to worry about it anymore. So he settled back into his seat, totally relaxed, and he fell into a long, wonderful sleep for the rest of the trip. You see, he was free of that one thing that he was holding on to. And that's what these verses in Lamentations 3 are are encouraging. Let go of the things that worry you and consume you and allow the love and compassion and the faithfulness of God to calm you and to bring you peace. His love never fails us, as verse 23 reminds us. And it says we get a new portion of that every single day, every single morning. You know, I can't read these verses in Lamentations without thinking of the story of Job in the Old Testament. You know, he lost everything. I mean, I mean everything. He lost his family. He lost all his possessions. He even lost his dignity. And he questioned God about it through the whole book. He didn't understand why this would happen to him. Has anyone ever felt that way? Why, you know, why has this happened to me? I'm sure we all have at some point in life asked those questions and wondered. But the, the chapters of Job are this long conversation between Job and God and his three friends. But in the midst of all of that, you know what Job says? It's one of the most well-known verses in all of Scripture. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives. And in the end, he will stand on the earth. In other words, God is in control. I am not. And so I am going to trust in his faithfulness to see me through this. You know, in Lamentations 3.23, right after it says that God's love and compassion is new every morning, it says, great is your faithfulness. One of the greatest hymns ever written was focused around that verse. This must be hymn morning. We're, we're kind of focusing on hymns today, it seems like. But this is what the words to that song say. It says, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. And then it says, morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I've needed, thy hand hath provided. 
Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. The question is not if God is going to be faithful to us. The question is, will we be faithful to God? That is what caused this heartache and this sorrow within Jeremiah. You know, the people had turned their back on the Lord... And because of them turning their back on the Lord, the consequences of that decision was disastrous for the city of Jerusalem. And so what does he tell us? It it tells us that we need to be consumed by the things of God instead of the things of this world that so often try to consume us. Abraham Lincoln once said this. He said, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side. For God is always right. What did we hear in Romans 8 earlier? If God is for us, who can be against us? Paul, in that passage, he goes on to say, A little bit later, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. And so, you know, with Jesus in our life and in in our situations, we can conquer and we can overcome the many things that tend to consume our thoughts and consume us with worry and fear. We can overcome Satan's goal to consume us with worldly problems and worldly Desires, And, you know, so often people are, are um, consumed with uh, getting all that they can when it comes to things like money and, and possessions and things. But that's not really where we find our joy and our peace in life. I heard a story one time uh, about a rich entrepreneur who is, <laughs> he was disturbed because this fisherman was sitting beside his boat and he was taking a nap. And so he says, why aren't you out there fishing? The fisherman said, well, because I've caught enough fish for today. And uh, the entrepreneur said, well, why don't you catch more fish? More fish than you need. He said, why stop it enough? The man said, well, what would I do with them? And he said, well... You could earn more money. You could buy a bigger boat that would even go out further. And then you'd be able to catch even more fish. And he said, then you could buy nylon nets and catch even more fish. Soon you would have a fleet of boats and you would be rich like me, he said. The rich man said. (laughs) The fisherman then asked him, he said, well, then what would I do? Rich man said, well, then you could sit down and enjoy life. You know where this is headed, don't you? The fisherman laughed and he said, well, what do you think I'm doing now? (laughs) Jim Carrey uh, once said, I wish everybody could get rich and famous and have everything they dreamed of so that they would realize that it's not the answer. Don't be consumed by the trappings of this world. While riches and materialism are definitely things that consume people, 
we need to realize that we are too easily consumed by many other things as well. Many of those uh, I mentioned earlier. But in order for us to make this personal this morning, we need to ask ourselves, and these questions were going to be on the screen, so we need to ask ourselves these questions. What is consuming me these days? Think about that. What is weighing on your mind all the time? And what is distracting you from the goodness and the faithfulness of Jesus in your life? I'm going to share my own answer with you to those questions. I have been burdened <laughs> with the direction of our our country, our culture, and the turning away from God and Jesus that we have seen, especially here in just the past 10 years or so. I guess you could say in some ways I have been weeping, sorrowful, and even, I'll admit, consumed at times with the weight of what that all means. I mean, I see what happened to Jerusalem here in Jeremiah's Lamentations. And I wonder, what does it mean for us? What does this mean for us? What does the future hold if many continue down this road of self-worship and evil and really just the rejection of God, Jesus, and the Christian faith? I'm concerned about it deeply. But what Jeremiah reminds me here is that being concerned and being consumed are two very different things. I can be concerned about it and I can do what I can to preach the truth, to teach the ways of God and to share the love and grace of Jesus, but I must not be consumed by it to the point that I forget that God is sovereign, that God is in control, and, you know, in the end, Jesus has overcome any kind of trouble that I may face or that we may face, and he will help me to overcome these things as well. So instead of being consumed by them, you see, I need to focus my hope, my patience, and my strength in the Lord. Of course, I need to pray about those things that I'm concerned about. But I also need to pray that the Lord does not allow those things to consume my every thought and, and bring me to a point of desperation or disappointment or or whatever. I need to listen to what Jeremiah says in verse 25 and 26. He says, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him. To the one who seeks Him. He said, It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. In his book, Run with Ho the Horses, one of my favorite authors of all time, he's passed away now, but Eugene Peterson writes, uh, that whole book really is about the book of Jeremiah and about Jeremiah. But this is what he says. 
He says, hope acts on the conviction that God will complete the work that he has begun, even when the appearances, and then he says, especially when the appearances oppose it. I mean, you know, this week I felt like God was telling me to be concerned for the people of this country and of this world. Be concerned about it and about them, but only be consumed by my hope that is in the Lord. And I, I don't know, maybe perhaps that's God's word for all of us, you know, this morning is be concerned about the things in this world, but don't be consumed by them. Be consumed only with the hope of Christ and the faithful promises of God. And, and I'd like each of you to make that personal this morning with whatever you're thinking of in your own life. You know, what does Jesus want to deliver you from right now? What is consuming your thoughts? What is consuming your worries? What is consuming your time? Really, what is weighing you down? That's maybe a good way to cover it all. What is weighing you down in life? You know, when we look at the lives of Jeremiah, Job, and David, some of the ones we've been talking about this morning, many others in Scripture, really, but when we look at them, we realize that we are not alone in these challenges that we face in life. I mean, they faced many of them as well, many of the same things that we do. But we also need to pay attention to how they responded to those challenges that they faced. I mean, what was their response to God? What was their focus? Where did they turn to? And I think we heard it earlier in Psalm 27 that Tony read. I mean, one of the most, most well-known proclamations of David in the, in the midst of his troubles. And I want us to end this morning by hearing those words. We were going to say them in unison, but because they're not on the screen, you get out of that. <laughs> Some of you probably can say it by heart or by memory anyway. But finally, what, you know, whatever worldly trouble or challenge has been consuming you lately, turn to God, pray to God, and ask Jesus to let your faith in him deliver you and be with you, just as David did. This is what David said in Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. So whom should I be afraid of? Thank you, David, for that reminder for, for all of us uh, today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we respond to his word and his promises today. Let's stand together as we are dismissed. Our Father in heaven, may your name be praised. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Lord, allow us today to bring to you whatever is heavy on our heart and our minds, whatever has been weighing us down in this life. I pray, Lord, that we would turn to you and that we would realize that your hope and your strength is new for us each and every morning, each and every day. Even if it's something new every day that's consuming us and weighing on our heart, 
you are there for us to remind us that you are in control, you are sovereign, and you will be with us through whatever we face in this world. And so, Lord, I pray that we would turn our eyes to you. And, Lord, as I share my own heart this morning, I, I do pray for us as a people. I pray for us as a nation. I pray for the people of this world. Lord, may we realize that when we turn our face and we turn our backs on you, it's not a good place to be. It's not a good situation for us going forward. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be with, with all of the people and that they would see the need for you in their life, that they would follow the truth of your word and that they would realize that it is a truth that brings life, hope, and joy to this life. May all of us be disciples and be lights in this world that is so often dark, that that message may come through to people. Lord, I pray for each one here this morning, each one that's watching uh, online. Just pray your blessing over each one of us. May we walk in your truth and in your hope. And Lord, remind us that it is new and it is fresh for us each and every day, each and every morning. Go with us now and may the peace, hope, and joy of Christ dwell with us. And all God's people said, amen. Have a great week, everyone. Don't forget your sub sandwiches as you leave this morning.